KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, March 3rd. The test to treat COVID-19 plan. We'll have more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego governments and clean water groups have reached a settlement with the federal government over cross-border sewage flow issues. If approved, the deal would retire the lawsuits filed to get the federal government to fix the problem. Settlement terms include more water quality testing, construction of temporary berms to capture cross-border flows, and improvements to canyon collectors. The deal comes after the EPA unveiled its sweeping plan last year to fix the cross-border sewage situation. The County Board of Supervisors voted on Wednesday to spend nearly $143 million from 2023 Transnet funds for street projects. Planned projects include revamping a stretch of coal grade road in Valley Center to improve traffic flow and add multi-use pedestrian and equestrian pathways, improvements to Dye Road in Ramona, and improvements to Ashwood Street Corridor in Lakeside addressing traffic safety, adding traffic signals, and pedestrian access among other projects. Transnet funds come from a half-cent sales tax meant to pay for local transportation projects. Voters first approved the Transnet measure in 1988. A pair of storms are moving through Southern California over the next few days. They're expected to bring rain and mountain snow. A winter storm watch will be in effect for San Diego and Riverside County Mountains starting late tonight through Sunday morning. The National Weather Service is forecasting up to two feet of snow above 6,000 feet and strong winds. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. During his State of the Union address on Tuesday, President Joe Biden announced a new test-to-treat plan for COVID-19 using Pfizer antiviral pills. And now we're launching the test-to-treat initiative. So people can get tested at a pharmacy and if they prove positive, receive the antiviral pills on the spot at no cost. Dr. Eric Topol is the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman about the new plan and more on some of the latest COVID-19 issues. Here's that interview. 
So let's start with this announcement from President Biden. Why is a test to treat plan like this needed? Well, this is uh, a significant part of a new 96-page plan released today. Uh, it is cer certainly something we need. That is, uh, Paxlovid is in short supply. It is a very potent pill that's safe, that has a near 90% reduction in hospitalization. Uh, but when it gets into better supply, the plan is later this month, at least some of the stores, to have this test uh, to treat uh, loop available so that if you had symptoms of COVID, you could get a quick rapid test and a prescription for the five-day treatment. This is great. Uh, it will be for high-risk people. Obviously, we'd also like it to be available uh, right at home where it delivered to the person's home without having to go to the pharmacy, but it's a definite step in the right direction. So you, you mentioned that coordination. Uh, how well do you think this plan will work? It's something we want to do. It's a really uh, innovative plan. It's one of the best things that has been initiated by the administration since the pandemic began. It's only real uh, limitation is that the supply of the pills is so limited right now. As you mentioned, the test to treat plan is just one of the strategies the Biden administration is announcing as part of the national COVID-19 preparedness plan. Um, what else are you seeing in the plan that uh, you think will address unmet needs? Well, there's many components, uh, things like countering misinformation, which has never been taken seriously uh, by our administration. Uh, there's better digital capture and surveillance that's planned. Uh, things like uh, a pan-coronavirus vaccine that we're working on at Scripps Research and many other academic centers uh, in the country. These are some of the priorities laid out on the plan, and, the, and they're really important ones. Mm. Also this week, masking in the state is now recommended for everyone, regardless of vaccination status. CDC guidance on masking says to wear a mask indoors in public and communities with high rates of transmission, like we have in San Diego and Imperial counties. From your perspective, is recommending masks enough at this point? Well, Jade, you, you really nailed it because we are a high transmission uh, place right now in San Diego County. So um, the recommendation may not be strong enough, but hopefully uh, people will have their, their own good sense to wear a mask indoors, particularly people who are vulnerable of advanced age. Obviously, if they're immunocompromised, they're very sensitive to this issue. But we're not at a point to abandon masks, uh, not in San Diego, not until the circulating virus is much lower than it is today. And California officials are, are touting a new plan for living with the pandemic. We've heard from local officials that we will prepare for COVID-19 the same way we prepare for cold and flu. Uh, does the science on COVID-19 support this guidance? Well, I recently wrote in the LA Times that this is uh, not really what uh, we should be thinking about. Not only is there a, an enormous toll of long COVID, but uh, that still is the threat of uh, infections. We'd like to move on and get to some kind of semblance of pre-COVID life. But we need to continue to respect this virus, that it has been unpredictable in two years, and the last chapter of this virus still lies before us. So, um, yes, it's good that we can make some adjustment, but we're looking at a quiescent phase, likely maybe a couple few months. But there's too many things, including animal reservoirs, 
immunocompromised people, lack of containment of the virus throughout the world, all these things lead to the generation of, uh, of a new and uh, significant variant in the months ahead. And that was Dr. Eric Topol, director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. A new report from the United Nations Panel on Climate Change lays out a grim picture of the future. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, that includes more shortages for the already dry Colorado River Basin. The UN panel says intense drought and earlier runoff from mountain snowpack will make water scarce during the summer, stressing economies that depend on it and increasing pressure on limited supplies of groundwater. Abby Burke is a river expert with the Audubon Society. The report to me is just one more line in the sand of saying that climate change impacts are here, they are intensifying, and that we need to make change. Uh, And that window of change is closing. The dire situation has driven up public and government attention to issues of water scarcity. The report also lists interstate drought agreements and a broader push for equitable clean water access as positives. I'm Alex Hager. California has ambitious goals for making all new cars zero carbon emission. That means more electric cars and a lot more car batteries that will need to be reused or recycled. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has more. A lab at San Diego State University is filled with bundles of wires, some of them testing battery cells. Near the center of the room is a black steel case containing about 300 cells and weighing more than 1,000 pounds. It's a car battery that once inhabited a Nissan Leaf. Now imagine about a million battery cases like that being dumped into California's waste and recycling stream every year as electric vehicles and their batteries reach the end of their lives. That's what could happen soon after 2035 when all new cars sold in California must be zero carbon emission based on an executive order by Governor Newsom. San Diego State Electrical Engineering Professor Chris Mee is one person looking for an answer to the battery question. Some of them may have enough power or energy capacity that we can use for energy storage projects. If you extend the life for another 10 years, you delay the whole life cycle of those batteries, right? When Mi speaks about using the batteries for energy storage, he's talking about storing solar energy. That would turn car batteries into solar energy banks for businesses and agencies that can make withdrawals whenever the sun doesn't shine. Kevin Wood, professor of mechanical engineering at SDSU, is also working on the demonstration project that's funded by the California Energy Commission. He says lithium-ion car batteries are typically retired when an electric car loses that crucial mileage range. But the batteries still have 60 to 80 percent of their energy life left. So why don't we try and utilize those batteries right? Um, and, and, and use those systems that we already have in place, that there's no extra energy input required, right? And use those for grid-scale energy storage. I mean, that's, that's the idea. California is leading the way in the use of electric vehicles. The governor's office reports California has 10% of the nation's cars, but 40% of all zero-emission cars. 
Caroline Godkin is the Deputy Secretary for Environmental Policy at the Cal EPA, and for two years, she's been leading the Lithium-Ion Car Battery Advisory Group. Godkin says used-up EV car batteries are hazardous waste, and their elements ultimately need to be recycled, even if they have a second life as an energy storage vessel. But there's another good reason to recycle them. As we think about our circular economy, and particularly the critical materials which are in these batteries, they're also a source of these critical materials um, to be put back into the manufacturing process. Those valuable materials include lithium, cobalt, nickel, and manganese, all of which have to be mined. Scientists Chris Mee and Kevin Wood say one key issue is finding a way to make battery reuse economically feasible. Wood says China exports newly minted lithium-ion phosphate batteries. They're not as good as car batteries, but they're quite inexpensive and good enough to use for solar energy storage. Wood says it may not make sense to customers to buy a repurposed car battery when a new one from China will cost not much more. And we have to figure out how to minimize cost, Um, specifically when we're talking about grid-scale storage, right? Sustainability and cost are two really, really important things, and they're not always correlated, right? Uh, Sustainability a lot of times costs more money, and the the reality of the situation is cost uh, a lot of times wins. Cal EPA's Car Battery Advisory Group expects to finalize its report on reuse and recycling of batteries this month. Then it'll be passed on to the California legislature with the expectation that new laws will follow. Some big questions remain, like who will be responsible for reusing and recycling these batteries? Wood says that is one of several challenging debates people will have to have before 2035, when all new cars in California will have to be zero carbon emission. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. The 2022 Major League Baseball season will not start on time. KPBS reporter John Carroll says Padres fans and business owners who rely on games at Petco Park are upset with owners and players. Following the announcement of a delay to the start of the 2022 season from Major League Baseball, Padres chairman and owner Peter Seidler took to the team's Facebook page, saying the team needs the continued support of fans. But most of the comments below that announcement show fans aren't having it, one saying, I'm mad at these guys, both sides. At this time, I don't care if there's a season or not. Business owners in the East Village who rely on fans' support are also upset. Social tap owner Brant Crenshaw says with the damage already done by the pandemic, this is another gut punch. Look, we got millionaires fighting billionaires over money. It's pretty crushing. We're all pretty deflated around here right now. So far, the two opening series, or 91 games, are canceled. John Carroll, KPBS News. New regulations for street vendors are expected to take effect at the end of this month. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer talked to some vendors in Balboa Park about what it could mean for them. The new ordinance will cut back street vending in Balboa Park and other tourist spots during the summer months and creates year-round limits for vendors in other high-traffic areas of the city. Supporters say it will ease overcrowding and help with the enforcement of licensing and permits. But vendors like Angela Herrera are afraid of losing their primary source of income. If the park, they can give us a permanent place, 
uh, you know, of course we don't mind to pay a little bit fee, that's for us good too. If they can put us to the lottery system, like a performance, uh, we will love to have this system running because for us will be fair. The ordinance was adopted on an eight to one vote with Councilwoman Vivian Moreno voting no. It would go into effect at the end of the month if signed by Mayor Todd Gloria as expected. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. The Carlsbad flower fields are open. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more. The Carlsbad flower fields have opened, and Fred Clark, the general manager, says he's excited to offer a colorful escape to visitors. You come here and you can't help but have a smile on your face, feel like your cares and worries are lifted off, at least for, the, for a little bit. The flower fields are open until Mother's Day from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., and a time slot must be reserved online in advance for entry. No tickets will be sold at the door. Brett Schonsenbach with the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce says retailers look forward to the window of business the flower fields bring in. It's feeding our restaurants. It's feeding our, you know, our local hotels. It's feeding, um, you know, the retailers in the area. It really does drive quite a bit of uh, activity here. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, we go behind the scenes of La Jolla Playhouse's new musical that draws from Bangra, an energetic and expressive folk dance. The music in Banging It has such a effervescence to it. It bubbles, it, it kind of uh, sparks. That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Next week, La Jolla Playhouse will host the world premiere of Bangin' It, a bangin' new musical. The play draws on competitive bhangra, a dance style that mixes Indian and Western influences. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with the creative team behind the play. The metaphor of America being a melting pot suggests that the diverse cultures pouring into the U.S. must lose their individual identities in order to be blended into one homogenous mixture. Perhaps pop culture provides a better analogy with its idea of a mashup. I'm like a big fan of the mashup. That's playwright Rihanna Lou Mirza. Her new musical, Bangin' It, mashes up diverse elements in a way that allows audiences to experience something fresh. Her husband, Michael Lou, co-wrote the play with her. 
It's a blend of classic Western musical theater and Indian and sort of Bhangra sound to it. The sound of it feels like it's our hive brain and, um, and all of our influences kind of poured together. And yet, it, I think it sounds very coherent. Um, Director Stafford Arima agrees. We all work together to come to tell one story. And that is what makes the collaboration of a musical so enthralling is even though we're coming at it from different points of view, we're all there to tell the story in the most succinct, in the most entertaining, and the most inspiring way. Lending inspiration to this show is Bhangra, a buoyant and energetic folk dance and type of music that originated in the Punjab region of northern India and Pakistan. In the play, Mary is a young woman who, not unlike playwright Lou Mirza, is mixed race. So she's white and Indian, and so in order to connect to her Indian culture, she's joined her college Bhangra team. Director Arima, who is mixed race and multinational, immediately connected with Mary's story. We all know what it feels like to not quite fit in. And it doesn't matter if you're from the United States or from Canada or maybe you're from another country. It's a universal idea of how to find one's place. Mary uses dance as an expression of herself, her past, and her family. Bringing those elements together is another kind of mashup in the play, says co-writer Lou. Because we're constantly thinking about, as Asian American artists, like, should our plays reflect our background? What is the politics to what we're doing? And that actually felt like it lent itself to uh, these intercollegiate teams that are doing Bhangra Life. If we choose to blend in other forms, like, like hip-hop, like, what does that mean politically? And, like, should we be doing the sort of traditional folk that uh, came out of the Punjab region of India, or should we be doing our own thing because we're in the U.S.? And all of those kinds of questions in a college team's echo chamber felt like it was ripe for marrying like a political, cultural inquiry to something that was just really joyous. The joy of Bhangra won Arima over. The music in Banginet has such a effervescence to it. Lou says Bhangra music is simply irresistible. When you hear that sound that you want to get dancing and um, your shoulders start popping, you start nodding your head. But one of the things that's really amazing about Bhangra tradition is that um, there's like this component of teaching newcomers basic moves. So there's a sense of inclusion that makes it feel accessible, like you're being invited to participate. And that's what the play hopes to do as well, to send a message of inclusivity on multiple levels. That excites choreographer Rejuta Vedia. I'm working on a piece that is monumental for the South Asian community. We are really setting a standard for South Asian actors and the youth to know that there is a place for South Asians in the musical theater space. I think anyone that comes to this show will just be able to understand how it is so easy to embrace this dance and this music because, as I said before, the root of it is to build communities. So anyone that walks into that theater is going to be part of our Banganet community. An invitation to join that community awaits you at La Jolla Playhouse. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Banganet, a Bangin' New musical, runs March 8th through April 17th at La Jolla Playhouse's Mandel Weiss Theater. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.